Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. Welcome again. I'm so pumped to be here with you guys tonight. My name is Trina, in case you missed it, and I get to serve under Pastor Andy and Lisa and alongside my husband, Lucas. And yeah, I love this community. I love that you guys are coming and you're leaning in and you're hungry for what God wants to speak to you tonight. And I just believe that he has a word for you. Um, I get to preach on Ruth, and she is absolutely amazing. So we're in this Heroes series, and I feel like Ruth has actually become like a personal hero of mine because her story is incredible, and the way that God uses her life um, just to reveal his redemptive plan, his purpose even for you and for me, is absolutely incredible. So I would encourage you, read the book of Ruth for yourself. Um, But we're going to go through the story tonight, and I'm going to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert. So Jesus is connected to Ruth's lineage. And the reason that that is so significant is because of who Ruth is. She is like the least likely of characters that you would expect to be included in his story. And so the reason I say that is because I want you to see yourself in Ruth. I want you to consider the truth and the reality that God brings everyone in to his story. Nobody is excluded. It doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter where you're from, what your walk of life is, what mistakes you have made. God includes everyone in his story. And so I want to encourage you in that tonight that you're going to see God's hand and his faithfulness just working in her life behind the scenes without her even realizing it. And she's going to be in the middle of the crisis and we're going to hear all about that. But God shows his redemptive plan all throughout her story. So we're going to be encouraged with that tonight. And then I really want to challenge us too that there's going to be some things that Ruth does to walk it out. You know, in her crisis, she's going to move forward and she's going to act and choose certain responses in the middle of her crisis that are so challenging and so inspiring and really make her stand out as a biblical hero for us to learn from. So I want you guys to feel encouraged. I want you to feel challenged. And lastly, I really feel like God wants you to to know tonight that he sees you. Every single one of you in this room, these are not my words. These are God's words for you. He put it so clearly on my heart as I was preparing this message, is that he sees you. And so you tonight are included in the story of Jesus because he wants to do something in your life and he wants to do something through your life. And nobody is excluded from that. You guys with me? Excited? Okay, sweet. Here we go. So we're going to jump into the story. Um, We're going to talk about how we move forward in God's plan when things don't go according to our plan. So it starts in Israel, and there's a famine. And so there's a man named Elimelech and his wife, Naomi, who flee from um, the promised land. And so they basically just say, like, this is hopeless. I can't stay here any longer. They're kind of giving up on God's promise. And they flee to a place called Moab. And so when they get there... um, They bring their sons with them, and their sons end up taking two Moabite wives. And um, 
yeah, they marry these women, Orpah and Ruth. So that's where Ruth comes into the story. And what happens next is absolutely devastating. Um, all of the men die and they leave the women childless widows, which is as absolutely bad as it can get. So Naomi flees from what she thought was a terrible situation and things get worse for her. They get the very worst that they could possibly be. So it's devastating for them. The women have no way forward. They don't know what to do. They have no way of providing for themselves. But Naomi hears along the way that God had actually ended the famine in the promised land. He had provided for his people. And so she makes the decision to go back. She figures, this is my best chance of survival. I need to go back. And so her daughter-in-laws begin the journey with her back to the promised land. And on the way, Naomi says to the girls, okay, this isn't a good idea. You're Moabite women which is, if you know the context between the Israelites and the Moabites, it's not good. They're basically declared enemies of the Israelites. And so she says, girls, I think you should stay in Moab. You're going to have a better chance of starting a new life there. You can find a husband. He'll be able to provide for you. Please just leave me. Don't come with me. Just leave me to, you know, go my own way. And you guys go back and you stay in Moab. And the girls are just devastated. They love their mother-in-law. They don't want to leave her. And so you see this back and forth of um, just a lot of tears, a lot of just female emotions on display. And they're like, I don't want to leave you. And she's like, no, you have to go. And so finally, um, Orpah, the one daughter-in-law, she decides to return to Moab to have a fresh start there. But Ruth refuses. She refuses to abandon Naomi. And what we read next is really this like shining moment for her character. It's like the Academy Award winning moment for Ruth. And I want to read it to you. So this is Ruth 1 verse 15. Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't make me leave you. I want to go wherever you go. I want to live where you live. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. I want to die where you die and be buried there. May the Lord do terrible things to me if I allow anything but death to separate us. It's very dramatic. And when Naomi saw that Ruth had made up her mind and could not be persuaded otherwise, she stopped urging her. And so they both came to Bethlehem. So I want to stop here for a second. What Ruth is choosing here is incredibly bold. It is so selfless. It is so courageous. Think about her options. She is a single woman. She is a widow. She is childless. Of course, going back to Moab with people that she's familiar with, that family that's going to support her, um, customs that she's familiar with, people who are going to come alongside and maybe find a new husband, Obviously the easier choice, obviously the clear choice, but that's not what she chooses. She goes back to Israel. It doesn't make sense. It's people she's not familiar with. It's a land that she doesn't know and people that don't like her. They just don't like her. She's a Moabite. Moab definitely is the preferred option. It's the easy choice. But she isn't basing her choice on what feels easy. She's not taking the path of least resistance here. And I want to say to you that the path of least resistance is not a sign to you that that's the path that you should walk in. The easy way is not always the best way, so stop looking for what feels easy in your life. God has so much better for you than easy. When you're in the middle of a crisis, God's actually calling you to dig deep, to persevere, and to get ready to grab hold of faith and to walk in faithfulness. 
And that's the first way that we move forward in God's plan for our lives is we keep faithfulness as our focus. Faithfulness is hard. It requires selflessness. It requires sacrifice. It requires endurance. Our faithfulness is only proven by walking through things that are hard, by doing what doesn't make sense, by putting faith into action. I know that we've talked about this with other characters and faithfulness is a theme that we often talk about in church, but I don't want to undervalue its importance um, in this story and for you and for me because this one decision that Ruth makes, this first decision to stay faithful is the best decision that she will ever make and it literally sets up the greatest redemption story of all time pointing back to Jesus. She stays faithful. It's the best decision she ever makes. She says, I'm going where you're going, Naomi. I won't abandon you. I'm forsaking my old life and I'm grabbing hold of something new. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust God. No matter how crazy it may seem, I know that this is what I have to do. And how do we respond in similar situations when we're in a crisis, when things haven't gone our way, where we're confused and we're lost? Do we give up? Do we give up on God's promise? Or can we choose to stay relentlessly faithful no matter what it costs us, no matter how foolish it looks or how hard it feels? Because honestly, you staying faithful is the, the best decision that you'll ever make for your life. Lucas and I right now are um, walking through something really challenging, and we have been for five years, and we're still in the middle of it. And for a little while, about a couple years ago, things quieted down for us. And I remember having this moment with God where I was like, okay, God, like, is it over? It didn't feel like there was any closure. There was no resolve there, but nothing was happening. And I was sitting on my deck and I was journaling and I felt like the Lord said to me, no, Trina, it's not over. And that was really surprising. It was definitely not what I wanted to hear. But then he said to me, don't lose sight of my faithfulness. You see, he gave me the focus that I needed. He gave me exactly where I needed to be looking. And then as soon as things picked up again for us this past year and things got really hard again, I remembered. I remember where I needed to focus. I needed to focus on his faithfulness so that I could stay faithful too. And it reminds me of LJ right now as he's learning to walk. Lucas and I will sit like a short distance apart from each other. And he'll be, you know, like going back and forth, taking steps, taking steps. And if he is focused on our eyes, he is moving. Like he is practically running. But as soon as he takes his eyes off of us, you know what happens? He falls down. He's on his bum. He's crawling away. He's getting distracted. And it's the same with faithfulness. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's how we stay faithful. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us run with perseverance the race marks out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Yeah, we're going to fall sometimes and we're going to make mistakes. But Jesus is faithful to you. So let's remain faithful to him and trust that he's going to use your faithfulness to lead you exactly where he wants you. How do we move forward in God's plan? We keep faithfulness as our focus. So back into the story. The, the women, Ruth and Naomi, arrive in Bethlehem, and God's got them exactly where he wants them. It's the beginning of barley harvest, so it's a new season, and they arrive again at their lowest of lows. They've lost everything, but they're choosing to be faithful to God. 
And in Israelite communities, God had made a way for the poor to be able to provide for themselves. So in times of harvest, he had set certain commandments in place that farmers were to cut certain corners of their field so that um, the poor could come and they could harvest what they needed to provide for themselves. Or if they were harvesting in the field, they would command their workers, anything that you drop is to be left there, and the poor get to come and pick that up to gather and care for themselves. So it's beautiful. And Ruth would have been made aware of this, but as an outsider, she may not have felt like this applied to her. She may have been looking to Naomi for leadership, right? Like it's Naomi's the Israelite woman, it's her hometown, maybe Naomi has some ideas. Maybe she's thinking, okay, Naomi, you brought us back here, you said that God provided a way that he made a miracle happen and that the famine is over, so what's he gonna do for us now? We've lost everything. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just here, I'm here for the ride. She could have hid away out of fear for how the people were going to treat her as an outsider. But that's not what she does. The first thing that we read about Ruth after she arrives in Bethlehem is she takes initiative, she steps out, and she gets to work. God made a way for them to be able to provide for themselves. He makes a way for us in our situations too, but we're the ones who are called to step out and walk in it. You see, a lot of us think that faithfulness is the only answer. And so we sit there idly and we're just waiting on God. But faith leads us to action, like I said before. So if we want to move forward in God's plan, we need to show up with a willingness to work. Our method of faithfulness is hard work. The Bible talks all about this. Proverbs 14.23 says, All hard work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. A lazy person's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Proverbs 12.11, A hard worker has plenty, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. And then in Ecclesiastes 9.10, this is the message translation, and I love what it says. It says, Each day is God's gift. It's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. So make the most of each one. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it and do it heartily. I love that. Whatever turns up, just get to work. Put your hands to something. Find out what your passions are, but don't wait for that. Just get to work and start moving and start exercising your faith and moving forward. There is work in front of you. There are needs around you. There are people beside you to share the load with or maybe to carry the load for. And I think it's not that this generation doesn't know how to work. I think it's that we're too distracted to see the work or we're too distracted to have a desire to work Or honestly, I think for a lot of us, we're living off the fruit of someone else's labor. And so we don't actually have that opportunity. We haven't experienced what it tastes like to be satisfied by the hard work that you put in. You don't know the worth or the value of your work yet. Who in here likes to do puzzles? couple hands. Okay. You guys are weird. I'm just going to (laughs) say. I am not a puzzle person, but after this story, I feel like I'm becoming one. Um, My sister-in-law, who's here, she got a puzzle for Georgia for her birthday, and it was from the devil. Like, it was like the hardest puzzle we have ever, I have ever tried, I have ever seen. It was black and white. Like, every piece had absolutely zero rhyme or reason to it. And so we opened the puzzle, and is there a picture of it? That's the puzzle. So we completed it. Um, 
It's one of those puzzles that you color, clearly that's my daughter, but it sat on our table for weeks and weeks. And we just like, none of us wanted to do it. My dad, who's like 50 years of loving puzzling, he would come over and he would sit down and every time he would just give up and be like, I hate this puzzle. Like this puzzle was work, it was not fun at all. But the other day on Friday, I was like, okay, that's it. Like we're clearing off this puzzle. It's sitting on our table, it's taking up space. And so I asked Georgia, like, Georgia, can we just get rid of the puzzle? And she was like, yes, mommy, we can get rid of the puzzle. I'm like, thank you, Lord. So I'm like starting to put pieces back in the box. And then something just came over me. And I was like, no, this isn't happening. I'm doing this puzzle. So I like literally spent all day on Friday neglecting my children, but working on this puzzle. <laughs> and it was great. They, you know, they watch TV. They're happy. Don't judge me. Um, but honestly, like, when I finished that puzzle, I don't know if I've had a better moment in the year of 2023. Like, it was, like, it was very satisfying. I was very proud of myself and so happy to know that we did it. You had, like, 10 pieces maybe, so he was part of it. But this is what I'm getting at. It feels good to work hard and to know that you can accomplish something. And the enemy would wanna tell you that you're not capable, that it can't be done, that there's easier ways for you, there's corners that you can cut, there's better uses of your time or there's other people who will do the work. But that's not what God wants for you. God wants to show you that it is good to work and that your contributions matter. Hard work is part of his way forward for you. God wants to honor you in your work. And we see this in Ruth's story. It says early in the morning, she got out there and she was working all day long. People started taking notice of her and they were like, wow, like she hasn't even taken a rest. Finally, they start to extend some favor to her and she gets invited to eat with them. She's told that they can drink their water. And then what does she do after that? She gets back out and she gets to work and she works until the end of the night, the Bible says. You know what happens when she showed up with a willingness to work? God led her to the place of his providence. When she showed up with a willingness to work, God led her to the place of his providence. You see, the field that she had been working in all along belonged to a man named Boaz. And he takes such notice of her faithfulness and her hard work that he says something so beautiful. This is Ruth chapter 2, verse 8. He says, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you would notice me, a foreigner? And he replied, I've been told all about you and what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your mother and your homeland, and you came to be with a people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Isn't that beautiful? He praises her. And he blesses her for her faithfulness and her hard work. And then he pours out kindness and favor on her in the areas that she needs it most. But Boaz isn't just some honorable guy who was kind to her this one time. He is so much more than that. And this is where we see God's plan unfold for Ruth and Naomi. 
You see, there was um, what's called a kinsman redeemer in every Jewish family. And basically, this is a family representative who was put in a position to have to help relatives in their times of crisis, in their times of need. And so Boaz was one of these to Naomi's family, which now is Ruth's family. So he would have to fulfill certain duties and certain obligations. Um, and one of those duties was to marry a childless widow in order to carry on that family name. It was very, very important in Jewish culture. So they would do whatever they could to ensure your health, your safety, your prosperity. They would take your burdens upon them and they would intervene on your behalf to do what you were unable to do for yourself. And this is just another parallel to Jesus and how he steps in and intervenes on our behalf. When we were dead in our sin, he died for us. So Ruth comes back and she tells Naomi that she's been working in Boaz's field and she learns of who Boaz really is. And what we read throughout the rest of the story is the pinnacle of God working things out, not only to restore, but to redeem everything that these women have lost in a way that they never would have expected. So I'm going to read it. Chapter 3, verse 3. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, my daughter, I must find you a home where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on your perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, know the place where he's lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down, and he'll tell you what to do. I know this seems like an odd scene, but just keep tracking with me here. So Ruth says, I'll do whatever you say. And she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. And in the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned, and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Other translations say, spread your wings over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. So what she's asking of him here is for him to take her as his wife. And Boaz knew exactly what she was asking, because Jewish men still to this day, when they take a woman as their bride, they spread the corner, the skirt of their garment over her as this symbol of bringing her in under their permanent protection. But I love how Ruth goes about her request. Ruth shows a beautiful humility in how she approaches Boaz. She came softly. She lay there quietly, patiently at his feet. She didn't, doesn't disturb him. And then she identifies herself right away as his servant. There's no attitude of entitlement here, even though she knew that it was his obligation. She doesn't treat this relationship transactionally, even though that was a part of what she was after. She's so humble. She sees Boaz as a person who deserves respect and kindness, not just someone to benefit from, rather than exploiting him where he is most vulnerable, knowing that he has an obligation to serve her and to fulfill a duty for her. She doesn't exploit that. Instead, she esteems him and says, I'm here as your servant. And his response is so beautiful too. He says, blessed are you of the Lord, my daughter, for you have shown more kindness at the end than at the beginning and that you did not go after young men, whether poor or rich. 
And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request. For all of the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. And this is my last thought on Ruth's character for us tonight. How do we move forward into God's plan? We do so with a posture of humility. God's word is very clear on this. There are tons of verses that place humility at one of the highest priorities for the life of a Christian. He opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Clothe yourselves in humility. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. This is absolutely essential for us. It's not, there's no gray here. In every circumstance, we are called to be humble. No matter what we might feel like we're entitled to, no matter what we think that we've earned, no matter what we feel like we deserve, humility is always the right response. Sometimes it's fear that causes us to not be humble, and so we feel like we have to overcompensate and try to prove ourselves, or we try to exercise our own authority and look for every opportunity to gain more influence or more power. Sometimes it is just pride, and so we demand things of others. We treat them with disrespect because we're maybe insecure, but that is not God's way for us. He sees you. I said that at the beginning, but he sees you. He sees the way that you're walking. He sees your responses in every situation. He sees your heart. He sees your motives. And ultimately, he wants to see that you trust in his goodness and in his plan that you're willing to walk this out in a humble way, trusting that God is faithful, that he sees you is actually going to enable you to stay faithful to him, to keep working hard, and to be humble as you wait for his plans to unfold. Keep faithfulness as your focus, hard work as your method, and humility as your posture. So now the story of Ruth wraps up, and what we learn is that her actions compel Boaz to bring her request publicly to the community, going about, honor, going about manners in the right and honorable way, And it results in the most beautiful redemptive story for Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. So this is now uh, chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. And the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, Ruth, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. And then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David, who we know is the line of Jesus. Isn't this amazing? When things haven't gone our way, God makes a way. When we think that everything is hopeless, God is doing something greater than we could ever imagine. When we think that all has been lost, God redeems the story. Whatever you think has been lost, God will redeem it. He will make it so much better than you ever could have expected. He has promises for you on the other side of your pain. Just be patient. Walk it out. Trust in him. Do you see it? Do you see God's faithfulness? Do you look at the story and see yourself in it? How he could do something in your life too. How he could redeem everything. Can you look at the story and know with confidence that just like Ruth, 
And Naomi, God sees you too, and he sees more for you. More for you than what you might be experiencing right now. It's not the end of the story. He has more for you. Maybe you feel like you're Naomi, and you've been a Christian, but you've made some mistakes. You've turned your back on God at one point or another. But just like Naomi, or just like Naomi, she ran back. Let's remember that. She didn't stay in that place of, okay, I guess I messed up. I left the promised land and God's probably angry with me and I could never face him again. No, she right away in her crisis, in her desperation, in her hopelessness, she knows exactly where she needs to run. She runs back to God and you can too. You can run to him. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. He sees you, he loves you. And just like Naomi was met with his kindness, with his grace and with his redemptive plan, he'll meet you there too. That's how our God responds to us. That's how he wants to respond to you. And maybe you feel like Ruth, you feel like an outsider or that you don't belong. You're wondering, could God ever be real in my life? Could he ever accept me? Well, just like Ruth, Jesus brings her into his story and he says, I saw you all along and I had a plan for you. Nothing was by accident, nothing was a mistake. It was all leading up to that moment so that you could see yourself in Ruth too and know that he wants you. You belong, you belong in his story. Jesus has a place for you. You're not here tonight by accident. Maybe it's just to hear that he sees you and that he wants you and he loves you doesn't mean that you have to have it all figured out. There was still a plan that needed to unfold, but can you trust that God is faithful and that he is working behind the scenes right now? You might not know the outcome, but you know who your God is. And so we can trust in him. We can trust that he is our redeemer. We can give him thanks for being our savior And we can know with all confidence that he has a plan for us. No matter what things might look like right now, he has a plan. I trust that. I trust that in the middle of my circumstance. I know God has a plan. I know my God is faithful. I know that he's not giving up and so I'm not gonna give up too. We can trust God. He is so good. And for the rest of you in this room, maybe it is just about focusing on those three practical things that I mentioned that we've been talking about. Choosing faithfulness, even though it means you've got to persevere and endure, and it might not make sense. Choosing to work hard no matter what's in front of you, just showing up and being willing to work hard. Or just exercising a little more humility in your life. Because he sees us. In Ephesians 4.1, it says that we are called to live a life worthy of the call to which we have been called by God. God is watching us and he has a way forward for you. He is faithful over your life, but he wants to call you to more. He wants to call you to live your life in a certain way. And I wanna challenge you tonight to grab hold of that and know that it is the best thing you can do. I know that there's a lot of things out there, a lot of things in our culture, a lot of things that we could run to that are like these really, you know, kind of sexy how-tos on how we should live our life. But can we just revisit and come back to the simple God 
gospel, the simple message of Jesus, the simple truth that because he is faithful, I can be faithful to him. Because he gave me his everything, I can give my everything to him. Because he walked in humility, because he came as a servant. Maybe I should too. Maybe I should look for someone to serve. I don't need to demand anything. I have Jesus. He gave me everything. Why do I need any more? But in his goodness, he has more for you. And I want you to believe that tonight and choose to walk in faithfulness, working hard at whatever opportunities are in front of you and staying humble. I wanna pray for you guys tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for this story and how it encourages us, how it reveals to us your goodness, your faithfulness, your redemption plan, Lord God, that was there all along, working behind the scenes. God, you were faithful through it all. And so God, we trust you. We trust that you are faithful to us too, that you have plans for our life to prosper us, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. Thank you, God. Thank you that in you, we have a hope and a future and we can stand in confidence in that tonight. Lord, for every single person in this room, would they just have fresh hope stirred up in their hearts right now, Holy Spirit, to know that you see them, that you're walking with them, that you wanna lead them forward into the more that you have. And God, would they have the endurance to keep faithfulness as their focus? Would they have the courage, God, the motivation, Lord, to just show up and work hard? And would they just remain humble under your leadership, Lord, under your guidance, under your provision, God, for their lives? And Lord, for the person in this room who doesn't know you, I just pray that tonight they would choose you, God, because you have chosen them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you choose us all, that we all have access to your grace, to your love and to your mercy, Lord. So we're not gonna wait, we're not gonna hold back, we're gonna run to you right now, God. For the person who has made mistakes, Lord, I pray that they would run back to you right now, God, making a decision in their heart that they're gonna return to you, that they're gonna return to faith, Lord God, and trust that you have a way forward for them. There's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation in your love. It's just acceptance and it's mercy and it's grace and it's love. And I pray that that would just be poured out on this room tonight. We trust you, Lord. We thank you for your word that has been spoken to us. And we are just excited to move forward into your plans. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. 